0: Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the contributors to StrategyPage.com discuss news as history and give you a unique view of events around the world. I'm Dan Masterson, publisher of StrategyPage.com, your host. Today we'll be talking to Austin Bay and Al Nofi. Austin Bay is an author, columnist, and blogger. His blog can be found at AustinBay.net. Al Nofi is a military analyst, military historian, and author. Al compiles and writes our popular CIC section on the site. Welcome, Austin and Jim. thought we'd talk a little bit today about Syria, uh, Secretary Kerry, Mr. Putin, and who, whatever else comes up in that whole mess. Uh, Jim, what's the situation in Syria right now, and how has it gotten more complicated over the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, it hasn't really gotten more complicated. It's just gotten more violent. Uh, ever since Russia entered the fray, as it were, in uh, late 19- 2015, uh, the Syrians have made a comeback. Assad, the Assad, of course, as it were. Uh, they recognized Assad did, and his allies, Russia and, of course, Iran, that they had an advantage once ISIL came on the scene and invaded Iraq and, and took over, you know, uh, basically, you know, uh, eastern Syria and western Iraq uh, and, and of course, Mosul. Um, and uh, they basically became the designated bad guy for everyone. But not everyone saw ISIL as something that must be destroyed. Uh, Russia, for example, saw it as something that must be used. Of course, they won't say that, but, you know, they're getting away with it. You know, for example, if you look at the Russian media, especially the the you know uh, Russian state-controlled media inside Russia, uh, not just the uh, the media they they send out to the international audience, uh, they basically have you know uh, most Russians convinced that Russia's there fighting the good fight, fighting ISIL. Uh, but if you talk to people who are actually inside of Syria, uh They are basically making a token, you know, hit on ISIL every once in a while and concentrating on anyone who gets in the way of Syria uh, recapturing Aleppo, which they're now making a huge, you know, dash for. Uh, And this is classic, you know, Russian, uh, you know, uh, uh, approach, as it were, to the situation. Be ruthless, be consistent, and lie as much as you can get away with. Now, that is all basically, you know, uh, ancient wisdom. And it often works, but in Russia's case, uh, they're pretty desperate. I mean, Putin is in particular pretty desperate. The economy's not making the kind of recovery, you know, he would like it to, and that he's made some Russians believe is happening, because the majority of Russians know they're getting poor. Uh, sure, you can blame it all on the Americans, you can blame it on those feckless, you know, Europeans, and what have you. But the fact of the matter is, time is not on Putin's side. So he has nothing to lose. By basically, you know, doing everything he can to uh, to basically uh, uh, paint us as the bad guy, which a lot of people in the Middle East are inclined to agree with. Um, and uh, and of course, if worst comes to worst, he knows that his his final gambit is to simply walk away and say, "Look, I did everything I could, but America got in the way. It's all America's fault." And of course, that is the <laughs> that is the the official line that most Middle Eastern countries have taken. Uh, you know, Russia is very shrewd in looking at, you know, how the propaganda, as it were, the internal propaganda uh, is working in the Middle Eastern uh, countries. You know, the, the West, especially the United States, tends to ignore this, but uh, most uh, Muslims in the Middle East believe that ISIL and all this, this, this uh, how should I put it, horrific Islamic terrorism was invented by Israel and the United States. It's all a plot to destroy Islam, which is kind of ironic if you step back and look at it, because what really got the the current uh, you know uh, outburst of uh, Islamic uh, Islamic jihadism going was the Russian invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 and, and the uh, and the war they fought there until so they just gave up and walked away in 87 uh, 1987. Uh, they were never defeated, but they lost 15,000 troops. Uh, and they realize that, you know, Russia's Soviet Union is falling apart. And why are we wasting all this money, you know, uh, in Afghanistan? when well, we really can't convince the Afghans uh, that it's in their interest to become a communist state, which is why they went in there in the first place. So, you know, Russia basically, you know, follows the old American adage. If all you've got is lemons, make lemonade. So they're making the best of a bad situation. Uh, they've restarted the Cold War by declaring NATO is still trying to, you know, basically destroy Russia. Uh, uh, most Westerners say, what? Why? Well, what's the point in that? Well, that, it, it doesn't make any difference. You know, it's something that resonates inside of Russia. Uh, they're exploiting, as they always have, uh, the, the, the Islamic, you know, states. And a lot of them are aware of it. I mean, let's face it, you know, Russia has had control, uh, very effectively uh huge uh, Islamic population uh for you know seventy years and they did that by basically lying, cheating, stealing, paying off work they basically played by Middle Eastern rules. Um and they're they're very proud of that. Uh they get criticized but they just shrug it off. So they are in a a no lose situation. The Assads on the other hand are being consistent. Uh it was, uh, it was shocking to many people in the Middle East when the, uh, when the Arab Spring in, in, uh, in, in, in 2011 uh, basically triggered a, uh, a, another uprising in Syria because that had been tried uh, before and uh, the Assad's, you know, uh, put down several attempts uh, with great brutality. And the world criticized them and they just shrugged their shoulders and said, hey, you know, we're just defending ourselves. They supported uh, Islamic terrorists in Iraq against the United States, and they denied it, denied it, denied it. Uh, you know, so, so Saddam and uh, and the Assad's, you know, basically are operating from the same playbook. Uh, no wonder they consider themselves allies. And it would be a great coup for uh, you know uh, Iran, uh, the Assad's, and Russia if the rebellion were uh, were put down. And now. Uh, it's getting closer to being suppressed. Uh, basically, the Russians, and they've been doing this for over a year now, have been offering to broker a peace deal, which basically keeps the Assad's in power. Now, if you if you follow the, our, our coverage of the strategy page, we pointed out that that was never acceptable uh, to Middle Eastern states because Saudi Arabia, the Sunni coalition, as it were, um, which also helped create Al-Qaeda and ISIL, uh, uh, is in a war, a ideological war uh, with Iran uh, about which form of Islam should be, you know, in charge, uh, the Iranian Shia or the, the Saudi uh, Sunnis. Um, the Iranians basically say that, you know, they're going to they're going to win this big time, too. And the in the uh, the only reason the the Saudis are, are backing us as much as they are is because they don't want to lose to uh, to Iran. So everybody's caught up in their lies here, uh, and anybody who's in there and tries to, you know, play it straight is at a huge disadvantage. Right now, the Syrian troops with their Iranian, their Iranian mercenaries, you know, uh, and some, uh, Russian, uh, air support and some Russian, uh, special forces on the ground, uh, are basically defeated the allies. The Turks have entered the war and but their main beef is with the, uh, uh the Kurds. Well, the most effective rebel force in in Syria, uh, and uh, they don't want the Kurds to basically carve out their own little uh, autonomous, you know, Kurdish region in the in the northeast, which is what the you know the the Iraqi Kurds have been doing uh, with the help of the United States and Britain uh, since uh, the early 1990s. Um, so you know, Russia is basically playing all the cards they've got uh and not and not paying any attention to morality or what is right, what is wrong. Uh, they just want to win. And when you're up against an opponent like that, uh, you know, it's hard to play it straight and 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 play to win. And that's what we're up against. And that, that's a big conundrum for the West. Uh and nobody's willing to stand up and actually, you know, take a stand, uh because nobody wants to be, you know, uh how should I put it, uh be called evil. But unfortunately, in war, everybody is a little bit of evil. And uh, if the guys are going to win, they're going to have to, you know, break some rules. We've already loosened up on our um, rules of engagement, which at initially, you know, in, in, in late 2000, 2014, said no civilian casualties whatsoever. Uh, and the Russians, when they came in, they said, "Oh no, 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 that's not the way you do it." Uh, and they were, I, I, I soon everybody agreed that the Russian airstrikes against the, especially ISIL, uh, were more effective than the Americans had been. Uh, but that's still not politically acceptable. You know, play by old rules, as it were, is not acceptable in the United States. So the, the United States is basically forced to choose between being politically correct or losing. Austin? Well. Uh, one
2: thing Jim he said he, he said that the United States and Russia are adversaries, and we are. And Jim said, "Yeah, wait a But remember, the Obama administration portrayed this as a partnership, Dan. And just on that column, I wrote my Creator Syndicate column for this uh, week, which is, uh, is up on Strategy Page. We're supposed to have partnered with Russia to fight uh, to attack terrorist targets in Syria. But there's some fundamental differences in long-term aims. I I think uh, it has strategic implications, but I think the operational goal of of, of the Russians is to keep the Assads in power. Jim basically basically said that. And the lesson is it pays to have Russia as uh, an ally. We will back you. We'll back you no matter what. And I think Putin believes he gains something from that strategically. I mean, Jim's right about the situation that Putin's regime faces within Russia. But at the, at the same time, he gains and he and his, his uh, oligarchy gain prestige within in Russia by showing that Russia still matters on the world stage. Russia can outmaneuver the United States. Russia can tell the United States to go to hell. And the United States, at least now, can't or won't do anything. The United States look ineffective. I mean, what happened in, 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 in we're, we're recording this a uh, day after Secretary of State Kerry threatened Russia with, we were going to break all relations between uh, Washington and Moscow. What a threat. Uh, that doesn't. The Russians don't care because it's not going to happen, among other things. It's not going to happen. How a threat. What's it do? It doesn't change the situation in Syria, and Russia's getting what it wants, which is a relatively free hand to maintain and secure and defend the Assad regime, its clients. Now, how this sorts out later vis-a-vis the Iranians, uh, the Iranians and Russians are adversaries as well, but they're both – who want to save the Assad regime. The Assad regime has been a, a valuable Iranian uh, ally. It's always the back door to uh, back door to Iraq. The Alawite ethno-religious group that the Assads are from, we've talked about this on Strategy Talk before, and there's plenty of material on it on uh, the Strategy Page website. They're, uh, uh, well, the Sunnis call them Muslim heretics. They're called Shias. They're not exactly Shias. They're, there's good evidence that what the Alawites practice is something of a, of a uh, well, it's a highly syncretic religion that has roots in Canaan uh, and, and pagan, uh, pagan Canaanite, uh, Canaanite religions. Uh, well, they're on the Levant. They're in Syria. They're in what greater Syria. It's a, a big Lebanon. Of course, they're Phoenicians. That would be the way they would uh, and they've been there. So but well, my point is is that they're a, they're a minority, they're not even ten percent of the of the population or right at ten percent of the population within Syria, and they have uh, uh, successfully, with the help of of the Russians, uh, oppressed and controlled the, uh, the the rest of Syria. The Russians are prepared to keep them in power to demonstrate that, yes, we, you, you can maintain power if you're a dictator, an authoritarian regime, if you rely on Russia. And we are, as Jim said, the Russians play by old rules, so they play by Moscow rules. And Moscow rules is whatever it takes. We'll do, and then we'll say whatever we need to say. That's the propaganda uh advantage jim didn 't call it an advantage, but it is a propaganda advantage in the way that that uh, 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 uh a global operator like putin uh, 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 putin uses it and to get back here to the United States, the United States created its own well, the Obama administration created its own problem, thinking that they could align uh u s and Russian goals, even though <laughs> obama says and what was it uh, uh, 20, uh, I think it was uh, August of 2011 that uh, that uh, the Assad regime had to go. He wanted uh, Bashar al-Assad to, to cede power. Well, that's just completely opposite of, of what the Russians want. And now we've seen that with the way the Russians are helping the Assad regime uh, retake, retake Aleppo. Um, the United States has been outmaneuvered. Uh, Putin has uh gained domestically he believes he's gained uh prestige uh, I- I- internationally uh he, he and he's also in a position jim was talking about the Iranian and, and Saudi competition he's in a position along with the Iranians to uh diplomatically put pressure on the Saudis to cut back on their oil production and does, what does that do well i want what jim can come and say oh it raises oil prices who benefits from that russia and it helps get uh, the, the putin's regime out of trouble domestically because now they have some uh, cash they, their economy has more uh, uh, hard currency from their from their uh, 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 oil and uh, oil and gas it sounds pretty cynical but that's how, that's a that's a calculation and, and, this, uh, uh, and this as well. And weight against it is, well, you can't rely on the Americans. Look how ineffective they are. They won't do what it takes. And that's what Jim was saying when he in his in, in, in his in, in, in his uh, remarks. But that's where we're left. I didn't. I think I call it a, a two-headed beast. This partnership that uh, the Obama administration supposedly put together. With uh, with Putin's government, Kerry and uh, uh, Secretary uh, of State Kerry and what Sergey Lavrov was the Russian Foreign Minister. They put together a ceasefire, Dan, that was supposed to be effective September ninth. You know how long the ceasefire lasted, Dan? It It never got to the battlefield. (laughs) It never got. It was an act of words. Wait wait a minute. I I think supposedly two days, but it didn't. The fighting fighting never stopped. It, It it was. Diplomatic malarkey, and the idea that the U.S. The US and Russian goals could align—there are places to cooperate, but a partnership? What a joke! And it's 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 exposed now. I can see Putin being smart enough to come in and, and say after he's done, uh, succeeded in doing whatever he if, uh, doing what he needs to do, coming kind of, say, "Oh, it was just a misunderstanding." And we're partners again, and the Obama administration would probably live with that because they think they could sell it, sell it politically. But it hadn't stopped, the, it hadn't solved the situation uh, in Syria. And, and look, in the first six months uh, of Syria's Arab Spring revolt, 3,000 people were killed. The death toll now ranges now between 300,000 and 450,000. And there's an analysis Jim wrote in May that's on Strategy Page. I think the higher figures are more are credible. And there there's there there are humanitarian aid groups, uh, UN High Commissioner for Refugees office and the like that think the 400,000 plus dead figure is. Uh, is is more correct, but three hundred thousand is is a slaughter. And remember, Bosnia was a genocide, and there were 200, 220,000 people killed in in uh, in, in Bosnia. Well, Syria is uh, is uh, devastated now. The wild card in this, there are a lot of wild cards. But what are the Turks up to? Jim says they're there to. Stop the Kurds, okay? But the Turkey, when uh, the, S- the Syrian revolt started, one of the things the Turks talked about, and at the time, the U.S. Was, gave him some encouragement. They didn't do it. it. was a buffer zone. And that buffer zone that Turkey wanted to carve out, well, what were they going to do? At the expense of the Kurds? Possibly. But what they wanted it to be was a safe zone where Syrians who were fleeing into Turkey and Jordan could be safely cared for. Well, that didn't happen. One of the things all the Syrian migrants that flooding into Central and and Western Europe, that's because it, it wasn't safe. Greece wasn't taken care of, and Turkey's got somewhere, you know, what was it? I think it's five or six hundred thousand, uh, now in, in camps inside Turkey. Um, some of them are quite uh, compared to, uh, Even good. The, 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 refugee camps are, 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 provide lots of, of services. But there were, uh, there's only so many that could handle. And then, you know, the rest start moving to try to uh, get into Europe. The idea behind that buffer zone was a, was a humanitarian, had, a, had a, human, a humanitarian component as well. Is that what's finally being done? I don't know. Uh, not on the ground. I don't have a lot. No one has a lot of clarity on what uh, Turkish, Turkish goals are uh, at this moment. And I'm not even sure that the Turks do, either. Other than that, they are they're going to try to take down take down their Kurdish opponents and also uh, ISIL. I, I, the, the Turks want to uh, want to uh, forward that goal because they terror attacks uh, inside uh, inside Turkey. But you've got a, a <laughs> you've got U.S. Russian uh, uh, military action, Turkish military action, eight or nine different armed uh, uh, rebel groups, uh, the, Islam- uh, 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 the Islamic State. It's, it, it's to call it a, ca- a chaotic cauldron, it is. And the Russians have decided they're, they're choosing the winner. And uh, Iran, Iranian support. Couldn't secure it for the Assad's. This is the other thing: is that the Russia, uh, the Kremlin's in a position to say, "Yeah, Iran can 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 uh, can talk it and they can do it, but they can't uh, they can't uh, they can't be decisive. We can." And that's another that's another component uh, in this. I, I think Putin sees that and the way he he plays chess. And I'll just leave it at that and see if, what Jim thinks about that because I, I think the. Russia's making a demonstration that they're—you you can Moscow's better than Tehran any day. So,
0: Jim, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, Russia, even before the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, was always the uh, the supporter of last resort of uh, of tyrannies and dictatorships. In other words, they would sell or support anybody who would be against their enemy. Now, again, this is an ancient you know practice, uh, but the Russians, you know. Say they're traditionalists. They're keeping history alive in its worst aspects. Um, And uh, they continue this and they compete with China. Uh, China, for example, is going into into Africa and saying, hey, you know, or uh, anywhere, saying that, you know, if you get the money, you'll vote for us in the UN. Uh, You know, we'll sell you whatever you can pay for. Um, So, in that respect, the the Cold War, you know, is, is on again. Uh, and they're basically playing at the, uh, the, the, the West, uh, you know, better instincts, as it were. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's the old, uh, you know, the, uh, bad money drives out good. Uh, in a situation like this, uh, you know, you basically, uh, throw all the, the rules, as it were, out the window and, and play to win. Uh, and this has been kind of a problem that the, uh, the Russians have always exploited, and they're doing it big time. Iran is a little more cautious. Uh, they basically don't like to commit their atrocities themselves, do anything that could be traced back to them. Uh, but the Russians are a little different. But together, and especially the Assad's, the Assad's basically were the people who were doing a lot of the dirty work for the Iranians over the years. Uh, even though they're obviously, you know, clients of Iran, They've been supporting Iran since the 80s. They took sides during the Iran-Iraq war and basically sided with uh, with Iraq because they've always been feuding with uh, with Iran because they've always been feuding with the uh, uh, with Saddam. You know, uh, I, uh, over who should uh, basically be the uh, a leader of the uh, Baath Party, which they both used to be united in. Uh, so you know, they they have a sense of history in the Middle East that uh, is is malignant. Uh, the Assad's are basically uh, have always, as we've reported, uh, used the uh, the tactic of driving the enemy civilian support out of the country. Most of the uh, the five or six million um, a- external, you know, refugees from Syria are Sunnis, um, and uh, and this is this is exactly what uh, Assad wants to do, and the Iranians go along with it. Uh, if the refugees are not allowed back in, which the Assads would prefer, uh, suddenly the, uh, the Shia are a much larger minority. And the, and, uh, and the, uh, and the Sunnis and others who are left in what is now Syria, what is left of Syria, are much more, actually I put it, reminded of, uh, what the price you pay if you oppose the Assad dynasty, as it were. Uh, so again, they're playing by the ancient rules, which, you know, uh, the West has tried to, you know, get away from. We've been trying for centuries. Um, but, you know, what do you do? It's like nuclear weapons. You know, what do you, what do you do when, when somebody is still has them and is willing to use them? Uh, it's a terrible situation to be in, and there's no easy way out. And that's what the United States is being reminded of. I mean, it started in, in 2013 when, the United States threw a red line in Syria if, if the Assad used chemical weapons. Well, they used nerve gas and they were caught at it. And the Russians came in and said, oh, no, we'll broker a deal. Uh, don't declare war on the, don't enforce your red line, uh, and actively go in, uh, t- to, uh, to basically, uh, you know, remove the, uh, the Assad regime, uh, and we'll get their, their chemical weapons out. Well, they did, but they're still using chemical weapons because, uh, it turns out that, there are a lot of chemical weapons that are not considered chemical weapons that are still chemical weapons. Chlorine, for example, that was the very first chemical weapon used, you know, uh, about a century ago in World War I. Uh, it was soon replaced by more lethal, you know, industrial chemicals, um, but they're still using it. They're still making ISIL, you know, as we pointed out during the the uh, 1990s, the uh, 1990s, um, the, uh the Saddam regime, you know, was willing to give up their nuclear and chemical weapons uh, because they knew they could create them again. But they had to. They had to. And Saddam admitted this. They had to give the illusion to the Iranians that they really still have them. In other words, long term, Iraq and Syria uh, can always revive their nuclear, their chemical weapons production. Uh, but short term, they need them and they still have them and they're still using them. And they're getting away with it. They're basically bombing and attacking with artillery and you know what have you uh, the the, uh, the Sunni population and the Sunni population you know is is willing to go out, out of the country if they can land somewhere, but nobody wants them. You know it's another Middle Eastern, strange Middle Eastern custom that we we don't like to admit exists that uh, Middle Eastern states will not accept as absorb as it were refugees from neighboring countries. Uh, this is especially painful with the Arab oil states, uh, because they have the money. Uh, they can afford, they need people, but they don't want people who are basically potential rebels against the, you know, the current, you know, the king or whatever the, the ruler is in, in, in the Gulf states. Uh, and that is quietly, all right, all right, you know, uh, cultural awareness and all that. Um, but it's killing Western Europe and to a lesser extent, the United States uh because these people have to go somewhere. Um, and the you know the, the, the refugee camps in the, uh, in the Arab countries, especially Turkey, you know, Lebanon and, and Jordan, uh, you'll notice Iraq is mu- is very reluctant to take many of these, these refugees. Um, and again that's quietly ignored. Uh and uh these these Arab countries will host refugee camps, but they won't absorb it. In other words, they're always going to be refugees. The classic case is with the Palestinians. Palestinians got a special deal with the uh, with the UN back in the 1950s, uh, whereas their descendants were declared to be um, uh, refugees. So it's a hereditary refugee class. And that was mainly a gambit, you know, aid, placate, you know, the, the customs of the Middle East, but also the sickness of the Israelis. Um uh, in the, in the, in, in, with other, uh, Arab, uh, Muslim refugees, uh, you're basically, you know, just screwed. They, in, in, in the Gulf states, they call them the Badun, the, the Arab Muslims who basically have no official, you know, citizenship anywhere. And nobody wants to touch that one, uh, especially in the UN. Um, so you have these ancient problems, which are still here, which a lot of people don't want to admit even exist. But they're playing a huge role in what's going on in Syria, in particular, and the Middle East in general. And, you know, and, until we confront it, say, hey, look, this is the problem. You're not uh, anywhere close to a solution.
2: I, I, there's really nothing to add to that. I, I, I Look, I, I'll, I'll make a couple of differentiations. I'll look, you know, Turkey's. Turkey's a Muslim state. It's, it's, it, it's not Arab. And I'm, I'm not being a, I'm, I'm not being pro-Turk in saying this. I've seen what what has attempted to do with these initial waves of Syrian refugees in southern, southwestern uh, Turkey. Uh, that was an international effort, but the, Turkey was in, engaged in it. Jordan has, has to some extent as well. But they're overwhelmed, and then you'll go to the to what Jim said about the not just reluctance but refusal to absorb these quote unquote alien alien tribes. Maybe that's as, as would would you accept that as a way to describe it, Jim? In some ways, it is. I mean, alien, we're not going to incorporate you into our into our uh, state, uh, and it's, it's, that's that's an issue. And then you come into the <coughs> situation in Europe. Where you know, Germans and Frenchmen, no, no, don't want to incorporate members of an alien tribe either. Even though, to some degree, they go ahead and, and and do it, but well, they, they have. But they don't want to
1: admit they don't want
2: any more. I, I know they don't. And, but <laughs> the issue. Let I, I get back then, and I think that's probably a decent way to conclude this. Is that issue is life in Syria, and it, you there was a moment there. Where the Assad regime could have toppled, there were uh, enough Syrians educated people who that we want something better, and it wasn't. It, it was lost. And since Red Jim brought up Obama's red line, if you're gonna say not to do it, of course he tried to weasel out it. Uh, weasel out of I didn't really say it. Well, blah, 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 he did. If you're gonna say that's a red line, then you have got to enforce it and uh, chemical weapons were used. They weren't just used once in, in August of 2013. There's evidence that were used several times because they were fighting, but the, the thing was you had to get investigators, forensic uh, teams, on the ground to, then to do the analysis, and some of it had been weathered. But there were indications that had been used several times in earlier in, in 2013, and uh, the Obama administration didn't do it. And Jim described the, the Russians' gambit. Oh, we'll disarm them? Yeah, right. They didn't do it. So we're left with the, the mess, the, the 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 cause, the, the true injustice, the oppression in, in Syria, and the mosaic of Syria. Uh, that's its ethno-religious uh, uh, heterogeneity. Is uh, there was the issue. Opportunity was lost. Now uh, here's the mess. So. All right, Not much well, left we'll, to do, guys.
0: Yeah. Well, let's leave it at that, and we'll talk to both of you next time. Bye. Bye, Dan.